0: My name is Josh Zeppis and I made an edutainment platform.
1: Welcome to I Made This from Do Anything Media, a show about passionate people executing their big ideas in realistic ways you can learn from to make your own big idea a reality. I'm Bill Meeks, and today I'm talking with Josh Zepes, the head honcho over at Broke Us No Joke. I met Josh last year at a sketch comedy workshop at the recently closed AdLib Theater here in Orlando, and we've been hanging out ever since, meeting up every once in a while to talk about our personal journeys in improv and life. I even got to fly his plane last year. I'm serious, we flew right over Disney World. It was really, really cool. Now, Josh calls himself a corporate America escapee, kinda like me, with over 20 years of experience building independent and franchise businesses. Now he's following his passion for helping other people achieve success with his edutainment platform Broke is No Joke. This guy is a firecracker, and he's always somewhere in Orlando meeting up with cool creative people. We'll also hear why Josh doesn't like birthdays, and honestly it makes a lot of sense. I I still want cake though. A small word of warning, I didn't start my recorder at the beginning of the interview. Classic Meeks. Luckily, we were streaming out to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash I made this show, so I was able to recover some audio, but it's not up to our usual standards. Stick with it, the recorder gets turned on a few minutes into the interview. Okay, I made this for you. Take a listen. So Josh, thank you so much for joining me today on I Made This. Thanks for having me, Bill. Appreciate oh, it. No problem. I, it was very, pretty convenient because, you know, it's Sunday afternoon here in sunny Orlando, Florida, and you were just over at Sat Comedy Lab uh, with doing an improv class, and I'm going over there at 7 to do an improv class, so why not meet up in the middle and record a podcast, too? Makes sense to me. So, so, uh, you know, it, it, let's go ahead and start there because we actually met because of improv. Uh, we met at a sketch comedy writing workshop at the recently deceased Adlib Theater up in Winter Park, Florida. Uh, so, so h- how did you uh, first, you know, start looking into getting into improv and sketch comedy and all that kind of stuff? I think it all started when. Um
0: you know, As I started building up Broke is No Joke and I realized I have a message I need to get out there, mm-hmm. I was trying to figure out how many different ways can I, how many different channels can I use to get the message out. Yeah. And I was, already a, I was already an author. I was already doing motivational speaking. And I'm like, let me try comedy. I always love comedy. I like laughing a lot. People mm-hmm. laugh at me <laughs> for no reason, apparently.
1: So, well, yeah, the first time I saw you, I just saw <laughs> straight your face. I was like, you were ridiculous.
0: And, and dude, I was born this way. Seriously, like, I have a face made for radio, so that's why I'm glad we're doing this.
1: And, uh, sorry we're streaming out to Facebook Live, though. Uh, yeah, and sorry I'm not better looking, but this is what you get. Well, that's why we put you so far away from the camera, Thank just, so, just to kind of soften the features. You, I don't care what anyone says, you are a nice guy. I try to pretend to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> just blank it up. Remember, the points don't matter. So, uh, yeah, we met at a sketch comedy
1: writing class. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the uh, the sketch we did? Because that's hard to forget. Oh, yeah, it was <laughs> it, it was a it was a chili cook-off, yeah. and uh, I just remember... Like Borskebol. Borskebol, yes. Borskebol. 99, they're sausages. <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> this chili's fantastic. Sir. We this, this is so fantastic. fantastic. Mm-hmm. Made from the kraut that I love. Mm-hmm. Man, this is what chili? <laughs> in the blue. Yeah. That's last awesome. This is fantastic chili. Oh, here, this is my famous German chili. Borskebol. What, boxy balls? Borskebol. Awesome. Borky what? Borskebol.
0: Bashy boys, all right. the on, I love the Bashy boys. Let's try to
1: oh, see. my goodness,
0: oh my goodness. Disqualifies. Disqualifies, but why, sir? This is a chili competition. There are and chilies. There's some- no chilies in here. There are chilies in there. I don't taste a single chili. In those I need them things. from the sewer crate. The, su- the sewer rat? The what? sewer rat?
1: The sewer <laughs> <truth, the laughs> root? The, the sewer su- truth, The root? Truth, what? <laughs> the sewer truth. Well, what are you talking about now? Oh, no, because that that was great because it was basically, you know, we both showed up. I don't think either of us had ever gone down to Adelaide for anything before, have we? Had you? No, I think that was my first time. Yeah, and I went because I, I do the Fagus podcast, which is all sketch comedy, and I was like, you know, maybe I should get some training in this. <laughs> and, <laughs> I like that. Now that I'm actually doing this, maybe I should get trained in it. After the first season, after doing, you know, 10 hours of content. Maybe I should get some training. By
0: the way, that works great in comedy. Just don't do that when it comes to flying airplanes. Definitely. I highly recommend getting trained first before you actually get into the cockpit and fly.
1: Then why did you let me in the cockpit before I had been trained at all? Because I got to fly your plane a couple months ago. You did. You did. But that's why I was flying it. <laughs> you, you were flying it up once we got up in the air. Look, you can't crash a plane even if you try. Uh, as long as I... Can protect you from doing stupid stuff. I was gonna say I've been going around bragging to everyone for the past two months that I got to fly a plane, and you just told me no, no, Bill. I just, I, I just you know you, you
0: were flying. flying, you were, you were. I had to take <laughs> off and land it, but otherwise you were actually. Flying.
1: And then the rest was me. It was all me. Absolutely nice. But, but uh, back to the sketchwriting workshop. Um, so so basically what happened is we went in there, and they wrote a bunch of words up on you know some some paper on the on the wall, and we we did some brainstorming, and we basically went from zero to sketch in about, from zero to actually performing a sketch that we had written in about two hours. It was a really intense experience but it was really a lot of fun. I actually use that ideation process that we went through with these words, Um, you know, when we converted to a full sketch. I do that in my business now. Yeah. I do messaging. I'm a master
0: messenger for uh, companies for their business identity, or for people with their
1: personal identity. Uh-huh. So this is this was such
0: a valuable tool I got just from that one class.
1: Oh yeah, me too. Because uh, before that, with the fakest, I basically had I had like a junk file of headlines that I would use to write all the the fake news stories on the fakest. Uh, but after that workshop, I started you know writing like a big theme up at the top of the page, like. Uh, like a self-obsession. And then I would just write all these things that remind me of self-obsession and then put those together to build the stories. And I I might be biased, but I think the quality of the podcast went up like 10 degrees when I started using that ideation process that Lauren taught us. Yeah, I, I used to laugh at fake news stories until I realized they're all actually true in Florida. <laughs> oh yeah, like, yeah. There's nothing you can come up with that has not happened yet in Florida. Yeah, if it, if it is possible to be imagined, it's happening somewhere in Florida right now, except for Maybe snow. Nope, so, no, no, up, up north in the state. Yeah, well, but if it's
0: embarrassing or if it's a uh, uh, blight on the national image. it's Offensive. In,
1: offensive, mm-hmm. um, incestuous, anything else that's <laughs> happened in Florida, I guarantee it. Well, you know, I'm from West Virginia. I think we have more of the incestuous stuff up there. But besides that, besides, West Virginia has Florida Beach. <laughs> Sounds like we have a battle royale about to go on here. Florida versus West Virginia because i Floridian. Well, the thing is, there are a lot of sleeper agents here in Florida, because so many people I know in West Virginia moved to Florida and then moved back two years later. So, I mean, there's a transient population of West Virginians here, ready to strike and take you guys down from the- By the way, what does does that tell you, though? They moved here for a couple years (laughs) and they had to get the heck out, because even they couldn't handle how backwards we are. They were like, I'm gonna go back to my old Uncle Grandpa because I can't handle them Florida people.
0: Uh, (laughs) These Florida people are freaking backward crazy. We fail not because we have chosen failure, but because we haven't yet chosen success. Good morning, folks. Josh Zepes here, uh, hyper creator and freedom fighter with Broke is No Joke, which is the movement towards true freedom. It's the truth you're not supposed to know about all those things you care about that are keeping you from true freedom, right? All that freedom you were promised. So, I, I grew up as a good soldier, mm-hmm. is how I describe it. I did everything I was told to do go to school, with Josh, yes, sir, go to get your good grades, get that safe, secure job, which is no longer safe or secure, put in your 401k, like all this stuff, and I did that. And I was 20 years in corporate America as an engineer and manager, semiconductors. Mm-hmm. And uh, one day, everything I thought was right wasn't so right. I wasn't as wealthy as I needed to be. And I, was, I climbed the ladder in corporate America, so I actually was successful, quote unquote. Multi, multi six figure stock options, parking space with my my name on it, plane, plane, like it was happening. Actually, the plane came after corporate America. Okay, but all this stuff was going great and I still wasn't wealthy. I still wasn't happy and I wasn't free. Mm -hmm. So freedom was my new favorite F word. I had to escape. I had to get out and I got into the financial industry of all places. Mm hmm. Because I don't know why it was just the the right opportunity at the right time. And then I found out all the crap the financial industry does for people and how they screw people over and how it's I started learning all the dirty tricks and all the dirty stuff. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. We got to do something about it. So I just started wanting to open up all the cabinet doors and like expose all this stuff to people. And that's where Brokers No Joke came from. I started off teaching kids about money.
1: Wow. Wow. Uh, It was
0: just a small little program in the schools. Mm -hmm. And then I'm realizing I'm spending, and I used to tell the kids, uh, every time I would teach them, I was like, all right, kids, I'm going to teach you things your parents don't know. Please do me a favor. Go home and teach your parents. (laughs) Guess what? They never did that. They never taught their parents. Mm -hmm. So I was like, well, I got two hours with a kid. But then they're going to go home to their broke-ass parents who are trying their best. But even the parents don't know the stuff I was teaching. And I was like, this isn't going to work. I need to fix the environment, right? Fix the soil. Get Mm -hmm. rid of the the toxins in the soil so the plants can grow properly. So I started. I changed. I pivoted. And now I actually teach adults. I teach people every step of freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of the stuff you're not supposed to know about, all the stuff you <laughs> care about, like uh, money yeah. and relationships and health and career, and I just wanted to help people get out of that rat race they're in.
1: Just out of curiosity, let's let's go back just a couple steps sure. to you know giving these talks in schools and stuff. Hey, how, how did you sort of open up that door for yourself uh, to you know go go to schools and talk to kids about that? This? Was easy.
0: Oh, really? Did you re- Look, you're coming to someone and you're saying, I got the cure for cancer. Can I te- can I tell you? And they're like, yes, please. Because
1: yeah. here's the thing.
0: Teachers don't know this stuff. Um, no one's teaching financial education, or at least not the real stuff in schools. Mm-hmm. Parents were open to it. Schools were open to it. Um, the only one that wasn't open to it was actually local college where I did come in and speak to them. And I, I taught people what debt actually was. Mm-hmm. So when you start teaching what debt truly is uh, inside college, they don't like that too much because then... You know, you get you get these kids start to like scratch their head and like, hmm, maybe I should do the math on this. Maybe I should see if this hundred thousand dollar debt I'm in to get this degree <laughs> is worth it.
1: Do you have like a sort of, sort of like a elevator pitch of what debt actually is? That you oh, it's do? very simple. Yeah.
0: So I, this is what I did during the presentation in okay. front of uh, hundreds of students. Uh, I put up a definition of debt, and mm-hmm. I what I told them I said, "Here's a definition. Is this a good definition of debt?" And it's talking about like how you owe a certain amount of your life to this amount. Of time, and then someone can take your debt and sell it, and all this stuff, right? I said, Is this a good definition of debt? Everyone in the room says, Yeah, that's a great definition. I said, Uh oh, I am so sorry. I screwed up. I think I got my presentations mixed up. Mm -hmm. This is actually a definition of indentured servitude. Oh, wow. And everyone, the room was just silent. And the point I was making is look, it's indentured servitude. That's what you're doing. You're, and and there's, it's not, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying do the math. Is it worth it? Mm -hmm. Back, 300 years ago, remember indentured servitude, how it used to work? You yeah. want to get to the new lands. You gave seven years of your life completely to this person who transported you. And then after that seven years, you were free. You could build your new life. It was worth it. Yeah. Now we got people going into debt that will never pay off their student loan debt in 100 years. And I ask them, is that worth it? And they say, no. And I say, well, if the answer is no to the ROI, then don't do it. That's not bad. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, do the math at least. So that was the eye opener, I think, for the, for the children.
1: Oh, yeah. And uh, with college, too, it's just, it's gotten so insane. Like, I I mean, when I went to school, I I went to like a really shitty state state school. So, it was about $4,000 a semester. Yeah. But, you know, nowadays, that would, people would be jumping on that.
0: Absolutely. I came out with no debt. I went to college like 100 years ago. So, but I came out with no debt.
1: Yes. Same here. I I was very lucky to be the right uh, balance of a Poor and enough kids left behind <laughs> yeah. me and my family to where you know yeah. it worked out to where it was all covered by FAFSA and all that. But the people who have to go into debt for it, man, it's just it can ruin your life unless you have. It, there are some professions where it's worth it, like you know if you're a doctor, Absolutely. you know, or a lawyer or something like Absolutely. that. Absolutely,
0: you will pay out in a few years. I don't poo poo school at all. I don't poo poo going going into debt for it, but debt's like a knife. Mm-hmm. You can save someone's life surgically with it, or you can cut your own jugular by accident. Like it's a tool, know how to use it, be competent with it Mm -hmm. and go use it the right way. That's my challenge to to kids.
1: Yeah, and the the problem is though, is so many lenders like uh, credit card companies, especially things like that, they structure it to encourage you to use your credit and then not pay it off. So they can make like the maximum amount of money. And they they give you all these incentives that work against your best interest. They
0: sell Band-Aids. They want you to cut yourself so they can sell you a Band-Aid.
1: And then they have all these carrots that they dangle in front of you, you know, like uh, cashback rewards and frequent flyer miles, or we'll send you a a coffee pot. Right. So so why don't we go to the day you decided once and for all that you were going to leave your corporate job? What made you go over that line and realize that's what you were going to do? And how did you approach it? And how did you feel after that?
0: So I had a series of wake up calls that kind of shook me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one was when I realized that my 401k after max funding it for 18 years was never going to retire me. Oh, wow. Well, okay. At least according to this thing called math. Yeah. Like yeah. just mathematically impossible <laughs> to freaking retire me. So that made me mad, as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. But here's what pissed me off. What pissed me off is when I realized I, it wasn't designed to retire me and I wasn't supposed to know that until it was too late, until I was 65 and I tried it. Yeah. That made me so upset, dude. I started opening up all the cabinet doors. Like I said, I started wondering, like, what else was I lied to about? What I started looking at my career, my health, my relationships with my spouse, like all this kind of stuff. Like, what else am I missing? And I got voracious about personal development. Mm
1: -hmm. I started reading
0: all these books. (laughs) Like, what do the wealthy know that I don't? Because they're doing something different. They're thinking different, they're doing different what am I missing? And the more I read and the more I dug into how the universe works and just basically human nature, all these things that were not taught in school, Mm -hmm. I could no longer sit in the gray jail cell, uh, the the cubicle, I mean, I couldn't (laughs) sit in that gray cubicle anymore. It was driving me nuts. So I had to get out. I would have gone crazy.
1: Was there any book that kind of really like spoke Mm. to you in that way?
0: There were a lot of books. Uh, I could tell you my first book. For some reason, I just remember my first book I ever read Mm -hmm. and I was 29 years old. and it was um stephen covey the 7 habits of highly effective people and there was one concept in this book that just blew me away it, there's like a circle of of control mm-hmm. which is all those things you can control and then bigger circle around that was a circle of concern which is all the stuff you care about but maybe you can't always control directly mm-hmm. and the point he made is you can, can you can't control these things directly but you can control your attitude towards them you can control how you respond or react to these things. And when I realized I was in control of everything in my life, if I flipped like a switch, it was just like day and night. Suddenly all the anger, all the road rage, all the stress, all the stuff I was going through, it was gone. I was like, "Wait a minute. If I'm in control, if I can choose to be happy or not, stressed or not,
1: mm-hmm. angry
0: or not, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to be angry. I'm not going to be stressed." I, dude, I haven't been offended in years. Yeah. You know is that I I haven't been angry at a person in years. This
1: sounds like a challenge. Um, hold on. I, I have a Please, quick five minutes it, like- on everything indecent in the world. No,
0: <laughs> <laughs> no it, it's just, it's a weird feeling to like not even.
1: I, I kind of preach that to my kids a lot that you, you can't control the the things that make you mad or sad, but you can control how you deal with those feelings and how you yes. react to those things, you yes. know? And that's sort of your responsibility as a person too to, yeah, I mean, obviously, there are times where it's justified to be extremely angry or extremely sad but you you do have some control in in, in that and the extremity of you know how right. much you react you know here's
0: here's the real question that we all have to ask does it serve me or does it not serve me mm-hmm. if it serves you to get mad to get angry yeah and when i say serve you it helps you get to a goal that you're shooting for it helps you to achieve a purpose that you want like mm-hmm. a desired purpose not something you don't want but something you actually yeah. want it helps you become the person you're des- you're meant to become mm-hmm. do it there's just so few instances where me getting mad actually served a good purpose in my mm-hmm. life that which is why in general i just don't do it
1: i kind of use the same uh you know judgment but but it's more about to me it's like is reacting in a negative way here, is it going to be more productive than finding a, a more positive way to react to it? Right. I, I think having good control of your emotions, it, it, it can do nothing but help you. Like, I mean, sometimes I, I think I'm Vulcan. Like that's how
0: much I <laughs> con- I'm like, sometimes I over control my emotions. People are like, are you alive? So they're mm-hmm. like poking me. Yeah. Is, is he alive? <laughs> so, I'm here. I'm here.
1: For example, I've been in situations, I've had a gun pulled on me twice in my life. And I don't think if I had been angry in those situations or if I had had a gun, I don't think I would have walked out of either of those situations alive. Were they trying to alive. mug you, or what was the... Uh, one, one was someone trying to mug me, and another one was a drunken hillbilly friend from those West Virginia days. Oh, boy. Who had a, a beer too, too many. Yeah, moonshine? Yeah. Like, yeah I, I think it was mainly beer, which is the worst part. But then he was just like, oh, it'd be funny to you know take this gun and point it at my friend just for funsies, and... It was not. Was his name scenes. Dick
0: Cheney by chance?
1: It was not. It was not. That was oh, a separate incident. I, I was just curious. Sorry. <laughs> Me and Dick Cheney haven't been friends in at least five or six years. We had sort of this big falling out because, uh, you know, he he, he kind of left the presidency, you know, office so and everything. He wanted to
0: take over the world and you didn't? Is that really what happened? Well, it's- You be honest with us. We
1: both wanted to take over the world, but he wanted to do it with violence. I wanted to do it with kindness. And he he wasn't a big fan of that. Like, I basically just wanted to do a big balloon drop across the entire world, drown people in balloons, and then by the time they fight their way out, I've seized the means of uh, power,
0: you know. Okay, interesting. So after he called you a wimp, he probably just checked out. That was it?
1: Yeah, yeah. But it's fine because, you know, the balloons are coming for him.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. One day. Hopefully he still has his gun. (laughs) He can shoot the balloons (laughs) right in the face. You should put faces on the balloons. How awesome would that be?
1: That would be good. Like... I, I, I'm trying to think of who, who would be the most disturbing face to put on there for Dick Cheney. Wow,
0: that, that's a good um,
1: one. Ooh. May, maybe just like every Democratic I president in say. his lifetime.
0: <laughs> yes. Can you do an amalgamation of all the diff, all the Democratic mm-hmm. presidents? You
1: know, with the the way I've heard the old guard feels about the new guard, maybe you could just do Donald Trump and be done with it. Because I, I, I've heard that the Bush administration does not, not like the, the Trump administration. <laughs> not, a fan, not a fan,
0: not a fan. I think Trump has two fans. I think Vladimir Putin and... uh, Himself. Yes. There you go. (laughs) There you go. Himself.
1: And everyone else just uh, patiently tolerates him. Yeah. Like a screaming toddler. That's okay. Okay. So when you decided to leave your job, what were your first steps in trying to, you know, get broke as no joke together?
0: Well, the first thing was, was it was a little confusing, um, After I pivoted and realized I wanted to help adults, I was like, holy crap, there's a lot of stuff out there that are supposedly helping adults. So I had to really get clear, get some clarity on my message, Mm -hmm. on what exactly, what is my angle? Um, What are my talents and skills? That was the other thing. I have learned so much about myself in the process. Like, I'm good at rhyming. Mm -hmm. I started. had had made a list of all my skills and talents and things I'm good at. I'm like, well, if I'm going to use anything, I might as well use the stuff I'm good at. Uh, And yeah. Yeah, I'm good at rhyming, good at speaking, building relationships. I'm a speed eater, ironically. <laughs> I'm not using that by the way. That's just <laughs> one of those things I had to write down.
1: Well, that's also like a good backup career for you. If you know broke is no joke doesn't I work guess. out, you can go uh compete against Kobayashi. <laughs> you yes, know, yeah, the doing, dog, you doing the hot dog. Yeah, the yeah. Nathan's
0: hot dog eating contest. <laughs> exactly. See, I wouldn't do that to myself. That just sounds gross to me. Yeah. Um it's sushi. Like, I'll go sushi eating contest. I've stacked plates this high. Like I, yes. I know everyone can see this on the radio over here, but like.
1: Sushi, I could, I could go all day on. I could absolutely go all day on. Hot dogs, I feel like 2025 would probably be my upper limit.
0: I, I haven't done any official competitions, but I've never come in second place to anyone I went out to eat with. Like I took <laughs> first, second, and third myself, and then they usually came in fourth. Nice. And they were crying at the time because what they saw, what they witnessed, how fast I <laughs> eat and how much I ate, it just didn't jive with their reality. And yeah. I think they were openly weeping.
1: The the human part of them just rejected it as impossible. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I'm not proud of it, by the way. I'm not saying this to brag that I could speed (laughs) eat. I'm just saying it's one of my talents I had to list down with all my other stuff Mm -hmm. to figure out how do I take my talents and skills and then monetize it. Yeah. Because we're taught go make money doing what you hate. Spend half most of your life doing that so you can make some money to go spend a little bit of that money doing what you love and Mm -hmm. a small portion of your life doing that. Yeah, I think that's crazy. I think it's backwards. I think we should be doing what we love, understand the business aspect and how to monetize it, and then go provide value to the world. And then you don't have to retire. Yeah, this whole thing about retirement, then I started realizing, what was I trying to retire from? People only retire because they hate their job. Mm -hmm. If you love what you did, and you got paid too much money, would you ever retire? Of course not.
1: Yeah, I, I, I've always said that, you know, I, I can't see myself ever retiring just because, I mean, you know, I have so many interests that even if I do retire, st- I'm going to spend all my time writing a yeah. book or writing, an, uh, you know, a new podcast or something like that. Retirement yeah. is
0: a false premise yeah. that we were sold mm-hmm. growing up.
1: Yeah, there's also, you know, probably a pretty good reason why a lot of people, you know, they work 60 years for the same company two weeks yeah. after they retire. Not anymore. Yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) Very true. They they used to man. But, but you know, they retire and then two weeks later they end up passing away or something. They're just like their purpose. Yeah. Yeah. They don't have a, have a reason to keep going. And I I don't necessarily find that sad, but I do think it's interesting that, you know, humans are driven to be productive Mm -hmm. and, and to do things and follow their heart. And when they lose that out an outlet to do that, you know, a lot of times they'll just fade right away. That yeah, I think that's kind of what being human is. Yeah, is wanting and working towards and stuff like that. Striving. Yeah, exactly. it's not supposed
0: to be easy. It's supposed to be worth it. There's mm-hmm. a big difference between the two, right? Yeah, life oh, in yeah. general. Yeah. The seed has to struggle out of the shell so it can start sprout. Everything has to struggle in nature, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. The question is, is what you're struggling with, is it going to be worth it in the end? And yeah. most people struggle at a dead-end job. They struggle in a dead-end relationship where at the end of the day, it's not worth it. Mm-hmm. And that's why people get very unhappy and stressed.
1: So, so they just struggle, but they don't get any of the satisfaction of getting what they want out of Correct. it. Correct.
0: Yeah. So either they're doing the wrong thing, or this is even worse. This is more insidious. They're on the 99 yard line. They struggled all, they're all the way down the field. All this struggle, all this pain, they're, they're beat up, they're bruised, they're bleeding, they're tired and they give up just before success. Like Mm -hmm. they're right on the 99 yard line. I know that's not a football term. (laughs) I I understand it's the one yard line. Thank you. But it's Super Bowl day. So what the heck?
1: I don't sport. So you could say anything and I will just nod and smile. So on the
0: 135th yard line parallel of uh, (laughs) (laughs) they're so close and that's when they give up. And that is like the worst thing in the world you mm-hmm. paid the price, but you got zero of the reward because you gave up too soon.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Secret to success, three words in Western civilization anyways. Start, don't quit. Mm-hmm. Most mm-hmm. people never start. They don't get off the couch. They don't think they're worth it. They don't think they have the, what it takes. They've been told they're stupid. They've been told that they're, they're no good. They don't even they, they don't see themselves being successful ever, so they never start. But the ones that start, a lot of them, too many of them, quit just before success. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Start, don't quit. If you follow that mantra, you can't lose.
1: Yeah, and I, I was telling you a little bit before we started recording, I, ju- I just finished a book on fan podcasting that's going to be coming out sometime around the same time as Can't this wait. podcast, uh, but that's kind of the, the point I make in the last chapter, too, is that if you want to do this and you want to be successful at it, you have to get good, and you're not going to get good sitting there worrying about getting good. You have to jump in, and you have to do the thing you want to do, even if you suck at it at yep. first, and, and you'll eventually get good. Yes.
0: Start ugly. Mm-hmm. But starting ugly doesn't mean you have to stay ugly. Yeah. So you got to be bad before you're good. Go for it. Get dirty. I agree with you
1: 100%. So, Josh, what? Yes. And this is a very general question. Okay. <laughs> this is for the people who have no familiarity with you whatsoever. Trust me. I've known you for a while now. Fine, fine. I'm a Libra. Um, short walks on the beach, not long ones. Uh-huh.
0: And I really don't like water. At least going into the water. Last
1: time we talked about this, you said you preferred medium walks on the beach. So that has changed.
0: Yes. Okay. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> I've, the, the more medium walks I've done, I've realized that's too long. <laughs> I, I wanted to shorten it up, get a little more tidy. Yeah. Yeah. In my older age.
1: Well, that's... A, yeah, definitely. Because, I, uh, I mean, you only have so many years to walk on the beach. I guess. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So what the hell... Does Broke is No Joke do? Why don't you just give us a brief idea of how people can take advantage of Broke is No Joke?
0: I'll keep this about three hours. Okay, Okay, perfect. (laughs) Uh, Broke is No Joke is the movement towards true freedom. What I mean by that, it's it's the exposure of the truth you're not supposed to know about all those things you care about. Um, So it's an edutainment platform. Mm -hmm. It it asks questions nobody wants to ask, but these are the questions (laughs) that get the answers everybody wants. Right? Why do I struggle with money? Why why do I have so much anger in my relationships? Why do my kids hate me? All these things that we struggle with that we're not prepared to handle in life, we ask those questions. We expose. We get people thinking a little different. I'm the wake up call. Mm-hmm. Broke is no joke. Is the wake up call. Yeah, uh, you've heard about the comfort zone and people being zombies and just going through life like they're in the rat race. Yeah, this is that wake up call. This is what's shaking their cage a little bit to say, hey. Mm-hmm. Are you really fulfilling your potential? Are you really doing everything you can? At the end of your days, when you write your, when your book is closed, are you, is that going to be a bestseller? Are you going to be proud of what's written in your book of your life? Or is it going to be like a, on the bottom shelf of a goodwill? You know, questions like that. First thing I do, if I work with someone on a coaching, I have them write their eulogy. Hmm write your freaking eulogy. I want to know exactly what your legacy is going to be. Ideal eulogy, not the one you're going to have now, right? Most people are like, well, now my, my eulogy sucks. It's going to say, <laughs> I, like, uh, you know, I was really good washing my blue jeans or like it, it's it, they the most boring life. Does I ate 14
1: pounds of sushi. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. That's their claim to fame, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I'm talking about your ideal eulogy. What are you going to leave behind that legacy that what are people going to say about you? How did you impact their life? And we go into detail. They have a detailed eulogy. And we start with that. And I said, "Okay, now that you know what your ideal life looks like, let's spend the rest of that life helping you become the person worthy of that eulogy being read. Mm -hmm. Right? That's honestly, Broke is No Joke is just focused on that. But we do it through many different ways, through comedy, through writing, through speaking, through poetry. I've got a record label, Broken Word, that we're going to be doing some hip hop rap spoken word and elevating that here in Orlando especially there's no big stage for these arts and there's Mm -hmm. lots of talented people oh yeah so i'll just
1: there's so much talent out there man well, so I, much talent. I wanted to ask you about that because, you know, we're friends on Facebook and Insta yeah. and everything. And I see you posting all the time about like, here, I'm at this cool, like theatrical experimental thing. Or, oh, yeah.
0: For kids. It, we did that the other day. Yeah. It was yeah. Great. Or
1: here, here I'm at this, you know, networking event where there's all these really cool people. So, so uh, what do you think here in Orlando? What's the coolest creator, or artist or business that you've, you've seen and you've uh, helped out? <laughs> Yeah, there's so many.
0: There's so so many. The one I was at the other night, I thought was excellent. It's um this Exodus Unite is what it's called and they help troubled youth. Mm-hmm. They put on a performance where the youth actually directed it, wrote the play and performed in it. All of it. Oh, and wow. they just had some a couple people, a couple of adults just guiding them, mm-hmm. you know, making sure it was it was within bounds and they did a fantastic job. And every single one of those afterwards, they kind of interview them. Yeah. They said, this was the most impactful thing I ever did. I never thought I could do it. I wasn't sure about it. And their identity just got raised a little bit. Mm-hmm. And when your identity gets raised, your self-worth, your self-belief, all of a sudden, you start being able to do more things. You have more confidence. Um, and it just it's life-changing for people. So it just simple things like that. They don't... You, Things don't have to be grand. You don't have, have things like on a grand stage with thousands of people. Yeah, just there were maybe three hundred people in the audience here. Mm-hmm. Just the small things like that happening over and over is what's going to impact the community.
1: Well, I, I think you know the theatrical arts are so good for for that too because you know there's nothing scarier, especially if you've never done it before, than getting up on a, on a stage in front of people. <laughs> And speaking, especially if you have to like memorize lines, that's a, that's a yes. big, big stressor. And once you get up there and you do it well, or you fail at it, you're like, okay, well, I was able to survive that. And it just gives you this whole level of confidence in every area of your life. I, I, I still think probably the smartest thing I ever did in high school was audition for the high school play because my girlfriend wanted me to.
0: Oh, wow. Uh, Interesting. Uh,
1: yeah. And uh, and just that that one little decision, you know, gave me the confidence to just kind of launch me off into, you know, the career I have now and the career I'm trying to build with yeah. the new company and everything.
0: And and this play in particular, by the way, part of it was helping teens and parents communicate mm-hmm. so that teens felt like there's a safe space. So they were talking about their own personal stories. Oh, wow. That's how they were doing it. So that's how the play was based. Uh huh. And there were some parents in the audience that stood up and says, Thank you. I, I did not know that you felt that way. I didn't know you were going through that. Mm-hmm. So it starts to bridge that communication between the generations. Yeah. I mean, this is stuff like it's incredible. They should take it on the road. So anyways.
1: And, and so so you're saying you're saying that, uh, you know, the things they're saying on stage, they're just they're real things from their real life. Yes. They, that, that's amazing. And and it's huge. It's great that they're opening up conversations like that, too. Uh, where, where can people check them out? Uh, Exodus
0: United is what they're called. I think they're under Exodus United Inc. on Mm -hmm. Facebook. Um, It's a local organization here. And uh, yeah, they're they're doing great stuff. I'm not... Up and I'm not part of it, so I can't yeah. talk like a spokesperson. I'm just oh, yeah, talking yeah. as a fan only, as a supporter. We did the Well that's mar- better
1: than a spokesperson anyway, because yeah. you actually care about it,
0: you know? We actually I have a marketing company. We did the commercial for them that they used to advertise beforehand so mm-hmm. they can get the word out. Because we, we went to one of their practices. I'm like, these kids are amazing. Let's tape them. Let's film <laughs> them. <laughs> so that was cool.
1: What does your average day look like? Average day. Your average I don't have, day.
0: So the the true answer is I don't have average days. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But I guess uh, I start with a morning routine like I do, like I recommend to all of my clients or anyone I talk to, mm-hmm. start your day with intention. Yeah. So I start, I have breathing exercises, I drink a certain amount of water, I'm reading my, um, my goals, and I'm reading my affirmations. Mm-hmm. I have a whole little uh, like uh, story affirmation I read to myself, I talk to myself. Uh-huh. Which, by the way, if you, if you would have talked to me, uh, let say, seven years ago, I w- and you would have said I would have been doing this woo woo stuff, this affirmations, <laughs> and talking to yourself. Are you, k-? dude? I would have kicked my own ass. I'm not even kidding. Yeah, like that's the, f- I am the furthest thing from where I used to be, mm-hmm. from where I thought I would ever be.
1: Yeah, I, I'm the same way because I, I grew up very much. With like a punk rock attitude, like yeah. screw the system, man, right. I've this seen stuff. some
0: pictures, yeah. I yeah. know. <laughs> <That's->
1: <laughs> but yeah, I sent you some for the thing. Um, but you know, so I, I grew up with that sort of attitude and you know, all the self help stuff and all, yeah. all the stuff I always thought, oh, that's a bunch of bullshit. But then I don't know, I hit like my mid thirties and all of a sudden I'm like, No, wait, that all makes a lot of sense. Yes, like does. a lot of sense. And I'm probably being tricked right now, but I'm okay with it. Yeah. <laughs> because the the techniques and stuff I'm learning from these books are working.
0: My online courses, I call them, "it um, broke is no joke, brainwashing. <laughs> because I, I feel our minds are so dirty, we we're so crapped on our, mm-hmm. you know, during our, our formative years that our brain needs a good scrub every now and then. We need a little washing and clean off some of the dirt. Yeah. So it's yeah. brainwashing.
1: I, I, I kind of rear back when you say that just because there's such a negative connotation with that word. But then you, you flip it uh-huh. and, and you put a little spice on brain it. Brainwash. wash. Yeah. Yeah, got to clean just it. Scrub We're cleaning it up. the brain. Yeah, scrub it up. Throw some Dawn di- dish detergent and you're in your. Dawn to works town. good.
0: Although I, I actually prefer palm olive. I, I don't know what it is. I, they have a special ingredient in there that just it, my hands get softer too.
1: I've always palm been reason. very anti palmolive just really? because of the name. Because are a you're weird a Publix name.
0: Guy, you're a Publix guy. Aren't well,
1: you? it's a weird name because it, it's palm, palm olive. Olive. It's palm olive, but it has like an O in the middle, so it's like. Palm olive is what I always called it when I was a kid and then people started correcting me and I was like no it's palm olive.
0: It, no it has an o because it's palm olive. Palm olive, palm olive. Oh, I don't so, know what a palm olive is though. Yeah, yeah. That's I, the thing. I don't is that a real fruit or a
1: thing? I don't know. I, we're going to shut this down and we have to go investigate. Olive. Okay, uh we're going to go investigate. Okay. Okay. I just I just went and I went to the library out here and looked it up and palm olives are a real thing
0: point of order why did you go to a library to look anything up
1: uh because i don't know how to use computers sadly i'm really really bad with computers i understand yeah it's it's, we got to get you there man yeah yeah one of these days i'll be able to load up a website and play some solitaire or something like yeah, that. Yeah,
0: you really are in the roaring 20s. You're taking this <laughs> roaring 20s thing a little too seriously.
1: Well, I, I I am actually drunk right now, too, so you're right.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> hey, that's prohibited. You can't be doing that kind of stuff right now.
1: Well, you know, it sucks, too, because my New Year's resolution was to stop drinking like it was the 1920s. Uh, you know, this is a nice little segue to talk about. You were telling me before we started recording uh, that you're putting together a course about goal setting. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that and why you think goal setting is so important? Oh, my goodness. Goal setting
0: is the start of it all, mm-hmm. right? If without goals, why even get out of bed in the morning? Um, yeah, goal setting is super, super important to me. Uh, my big thing is I want people to have a, a 2020. Like, do you realize that there's an epidemic out there, man? I mean, we even talk about this. Most people will not have a 2020,
1: like at all? At all. Like, like they will not
0: have a 2020.
1: They're just going to skip the year. Yes. Wow,
0: they're going to do a repeat. They're, they might have a 2019 part two, mm. a 2018 part three. Mm-hmm. I have some friends, but from back in um, my corporate America days, that are in 1995 yeah. part
1: 25. I I have some West Virginia friends who are in the same boat. They are still exactly where they were in 1995. Exactly. Yeah,
0: same income, same stress, same drama, same problem, same complaint, same boat. Blah, blah. That's terrible. That's like groundhog year. I don't (laughs) don't believe in groundhog years. Like, why not? If you're going to have a 2020, a real 2020, something's got to be different. Would you agree? Absolutely. So what's it going to be? That's goal setting in a Mm -hmm. nutshell. What are you going to do different? What are you going to accomplish, achieve? I even just challenge people, give me one thing, not 50 goals, not 30 goals, not 10 goals. One thing that you can accomplish that will make this year the best year you've ever had Mm -hmm. and go do it. And that, so the, I, had, I had to put that together a goal setting course because most people don't know how to approach that. Well, yeah. how do I do that? What's the process? How do I? What about distractions? What about all this stuff? And mm-hmm. so I go in, all the way from the, the practicality to the mindset of it, mm-hmm. um, and I call it goal crushing. Actually, because yeah. achieving is fun, but crushing a goal is awesome.
1: Just <laughs> obliterating it, <laughs> obliterating destroying it. it.
0: Absolutely, ten xing it. Whatever you thought you <laughs> were going to do, do it even do it sooner and do it better. If not that, then what are you doing? Why get out of bed? Mm-hmm. Just I, stay in bed.
1: I, I really appreciate too. Uh, I don't know if you said it here just now, but you were saying it earlier about the difference between like a New Year's resolution and setting an actual goal. Because you were talking about how so many people fail in their New oh, Year's yeah, resolutions.
0: Seventy five percent of people in the U.S. are have already given up on all their New Year's resolutions by January 31st, -hmm. 92% by the end of the year. Wow. So think about that. If you give up in January, you got 11 months to wait till the next. So my challenge for people, I'm like, first of all, you were lied to. New Year's is not January 1st. You heard that, right? You heard about New Year's being January 1st? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's well, actually, actually not actually New Year's. actually my birthday,
1: so uh, I, well, that's kind of cemented in my head. Happy so birthday. So I'm really interested to see what you say next. Actually, I should say happy birthday because I don't believe uh, – that's another whole thing. We'll <laughs> talk about some other time if you
0: ever want to. Um, I don't celebrate birthdays for a very good reason, and I'm not Mormon or Jehovah. I don't know which one doesn't do Jehovah's it. Jehovah's Witness. Is it Jehovah's Witness? Yeah, yeah. Okay, the JWs. Um,
1: well, here, like, tell me real quick. I'm, I'm kind of curious now about oh boy. the birthday. Are you sure? Yeah, absolutely.
0: All right, I'll that's give you a little bit of this. Just Yeah. Yeah, just Uh, a a tasting. Okay. So when we celebrate a birthday, what are we saying? What are we in a first world country? What are we actually saying when we celebrate a birthday?
1: Congratulations for not dying.
0: Correct. You managed to feed yourself and not die in a first (laughs) world country. Isn't that kind of a low bar? Should should you get presents for that? Should you like be given like physical things and and hugs and celebrations and eat? And then you got to eat cake, which is destroying your health. (laughs) So I guess in that sense, congratulations for not dying right that year. But it just seems like such a low bar. Mm -hmm. Like I'm all for celebration, celebrate accomplishments, celebrate things. For On on purpose, for things, for reasons. Yeah. But your birthday in a first... Now, you're in a third world country. Mm -hmm. You you don't have clean water. You don't have running water and you survive. Happy freaking birthday. Oh, yeah. Heck, yeah. Yeah. High five. (laughs) You made it to eight years old. Awesome. (laughs) But in a first world country, boy, that's a low bar. That's just... It just it doesn't make sense to me. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, I've always been very awkward about people celebrating my birthday too. In fact, I generally, I tell my wife and kids like, don't buy me anything. Let's not do anything really special. I have one tradition, go out for a breakfast buffet on January 1st that I've done since I was a kid. Uh, But besides that, I'm like, you know, don't, Make a big deal out of it because it just makes me feel awkward. Right,
0: I, me too. But I'm an introvert, so I don't know if you're an introvert too. I'm a, a extreme introvert.
1: I'm an intro extrovert. Like I'm a little bit of both. It, it, it's it's a weird place to. So be. you're
0: you're vert neutral.
1: Yeah, exactly. Oh, I, let's I, not go I'm, there, man. That, that, I'm Switzerland. But no, with the birthdays thing, I think mm-hmm. I think that I feel so awkward about them because, like you were saying. I didn't really do anything to deserve any sort of big celebration of me. I mean, there were probably things I did throughout the year that were pretty awesome that, yeah, sure, you could celebrate Celebrate uh, about. But at the same time, it feels really weird to pick this day I happened to be born.
0: And your mom did all the work, by the way, on that day. Exactly.
1: Exactly. Uh, so, So, I mean, it just feels weird to bust out a cake for me on that day, you know. Yeah. That being said, it was really nice having a birthday on January first because we could when I was younger, cause we could party all night for New Year's Eve, wake up at like eight or ten in the morning, whenever we enroll out uh, drunken to Denny's or something to get a nice big grizzly breakfast. Yeah, know, yeah, there
0: you go. Perfect. Work it all off. Yeah. And I, I don't want to sound like a cynical asshole when I say stuff like this, but yeah. it's just I want I want to raise the bar for people. I want us to be shooting for something higher than that.
1: Yeah, and and goal so setting. Out of love. Yeah, yeah, and goal setting's a part of that. Uh my my friend Brian Brushwood who he uh always says that you know goal setting is magic. Like once you mm-hmm. set a goal and you write it down, it's magic. It will it will happen. And uh that was kind of proven to me. Uh we, I I went to Indonesia with him a number of years ago uh to help him shoot a episode of his show Scam School. And one night we were at the hotel bar drinking late at night and he made me sit down and write down my goals. Uh, Those goals were take this dog boy character I have and finally write a book with them. Now I have five dog boy books that I've written or four and a half dog boy books that I've written. Start a podcast. I am now, you know, Mm -hmm. to the point where I've started a bunch of podcasts. They were successful. I quit them. And now I've written a book about them. You know, and we were talking back through this and I realized that Every goal I wrote down on that list, that drunken night in Indonesia ended up being some of the most impactful things I've done in the time since, you know, the biggest things that have happened in my life are all because of that magical list he had me write down. And it's just amazing how goals can do that. It goes back to my favorite C word, clarity, (sighs)
0: having clarity, having, knowing why you get out of bed in the morning. What other than an alarm clock, other than the reasons you don't like, you know, Uh sitting in traffic and getting to a job you hate and all that. Mm -hmm. What, what is your purpose? Why? even wake up yeah so setting those goals and being clear on that Mm -hmm. and then accomplishing that is just there's no better feeling than to set a goal and accomplish it
1: and i think i think sometimes when you quantify it and actually put it down there in black and white you can surprise yourself too you can, you can see threads in the goals you write down that you didn't realize were actual desires you had. Like yeah. I brought up the, the Dog Boy books as an example. I didn't realize that I wanted to write a, an adventure series for kids until I wrote down that goal and saw it next to like one of my other goals. And I was like, oh, wait a second. This is what I'm actually trying to do. And yeah. it feels right.
0: And so, yeah, goals are super, super important in that respect.
1: Yeah, you're actually putting um, together a, a course about a goals. Of course, right a whole
0: uh, online workshop, mm-hmm. uh, self-paced, at your own, but I'm giving all the real stuff, all the good stuff I used to teach to entrepreneurs about <laughs> not just setting, because anyone can set goals or smart goals. And everyone talks about how to set goals. Yeah. And then writing them down is a good first step. But mm-hmm. there's so many other little aspects to it. There's the accountability aspect and there's the mindset of not quitting when the, when the going gets tough. And yeah. all these other little things that we don't realize need to be part of that overall picture. And your goals have to be in alignment with your bigger purpose. Mm-hmm. If you're going to set a goal that's just kind of doesn't serve you to become the person you want to become or have that eulogy we talked about or yeah. that legacy, you're probably not going to do it either. So you got to make sure your goals are in alignment. And then how do you break them down to the ridiculous? I call it.
1: That's mm-hmm. so
0: important because people set these big goals. I want to make a million dollars. Okay, great. <laughs> now let's start backing that off to yeah. what do you need to actually do as far as because see, we don't control results. Here's the, one of the biggest things where every time I say this, people are like, what are you talking about? We have zero direct control over our results. Mm-hmm. None whatsoever. Yeah. We can only control our actions. Mm -hmm. And we take the right actions, we get the right results. Yeah. So if you can't control the results, if you can't control the million dollars that you earn this year that you want to earn, what are those activities that will get you there that you can control? And are you willing to commit to doing them? Yeah. Right. So
1: so you can't control the outcome, but you can control your actions, which are based on your intentions. Correct.
0: Yeah. So let's say you want to make a million dollars. How many sales in your business do you have to make? To earn a million dollars. Mm-hmm. Once you know that, do you, can you control who buys? Nope. nope. So you can't control the, how many sales you make. However, you could be you can control how many appointments you go on, or not, or the next step down is appointments. How many appointments do you have to be on to get that many sales? Let's assume a fifty percent close ratio. Yeah. But you can't control who shows up on the appointment. So let's back it up one more time. So you got to make calls or invite people for the appointments. Mm-hmm. Now, do you have direct control over that? That's an activity you can say I can make ten calls a day. I yeah. can make 20 calls a day. I
1: can sit down and for eight hours and only yeah. make calls until I you know, get enough people.
0: So think about what we did. We took a nebulous, a million dollars that you're like, I can't do that. I've never made more than 100,000 in a year. How am I going to do a million? And mm-hmm. I broke it down to 10 calls a day, which you have 100% full control over to get to that million dollars if your number yeah. ratios are right. Mm-hmm. You now can actually get that million dollars. I proved it. It's, it's in numbers. It's in writing. And that it just well, changes our- Well, screw this our,
1: podcast. I'm going to get a million dollars. There you go. You just <laughs> got to figure out what your business is that's going to do
0: that, right? Yeah. Uh, but that's the idea. So there's so many little mm-hmm. aspects that we're not taught. We're not- sh- This isn't taught in schools. This isn't taught from our parents. So I said, all right, I'm going to put all into one goal-crushing course and mm-hmm. go for it.
1: Yeah. And you said that's coming out sometime in February, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mid-February. We're going to start the marketing for it. I already did the video and we're doing. we're in post right now. On that and, uh, Excellent.
1: Yeah, it's going to be fun.
0: And I got 30 more courses in my <laughs> brains. Like I have to get, like you do the books, The uh-huh. I've got another 30 different aspects of well, not just goals, but all sorts of stuff.
1: Yeah, that's the thing is like I wrote this podcasting book and I, I'm down, like today or tomorrow, I'm going to be done with the final edit of it. And I just realized how much I loved it and yeah. how many ideas I have for other books to exactly. kind of teach people, you know? And it, it's just a, sometimes when you get into a project like that, about halfway through you realize oh no wait a second this is like one of the things i yes. should be doing all the time that's you know? how the universe works
0: when you have intention all of a sudden it keeps feeding you more of what you intend mm-hmm. more of what you mm-hmm. want
1: why don't you uh and and if if you're not ready to talk about this uh we can I about anything
0: out. are you kidding unless you don't want that corner on my foot like uh, no i'm just kidding
1: <laughs> Let, let's talk a little bit about this is a sort of a, a new thing you're about to start up, I think, called Binge TV, right? Yes. Let's talk about that. Just because you interviewed me for something on it, yes. so I figured it'd be good to talk about it.
0: Generally. So Binge TV broke is no joke. Binge uh, TV, uh-huh. and it's really designed to be the Netflix of personal development.
1: Mm-hmm. I want it to
0: be. Your, I want it to be your best friend. You know how all those friends you have right now, they call say your associations, you know, that you look at the five people you hang out with the most. Yeah. And it could pretty much predict your income, your level of happiness, your level of stress, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So while you're hanging out with those people that are keeping you where you are, what if you had a best friend? Someone who actually saw more in you than you see in yourself that can kind of lift you up when you need it, but it's not a person, it's a station. It's a TV channel. Yeah. That's that's what binge TV is. And we're creating the first program called Showing Aces, mm-hmm. where so you get to go flying. So yeah. we actually interview people in the hangar, and it's, we interview one percenters.
1: Because
0: mm-hmm. there's a myth about one percenters, that one percenters are bad. They're keeping their thumb on us. Or these rich people, they don't care about the, everyone else, the 99%. Yeah. But that's not the 1% I'm talking about. I'm talking about the kind of people that are willing to do what the 99% don't want to do, are afraid to do, um, don't think they can do. So they're setting the example. And you're a one percenter. You're setting the example for people to look up to and say, wow, if he can do it, so can I. Mm-hmm. And that's what, I, that's what the show is about. So this is the first show. I'm always looking for more content for more people as long as it's positive and it helps build people up. Because yeah. that's what I'm all about. Like I'm getting into hip hop, rap, and these other things. What I refuse to do is I refuse to do the part of spoken word or hip hop or rap where it's negative, where mm-hmm. it's all about problems and this issue and that issue. There's a place for that, and I appreciate that, and that's yeah. good self expression. I love it, mm-hmm. but that's not where I want to play. I want to play. If you're going to shit on my carpet, at least clean it up, right? At least <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. okay. Let's take your dump. You got problems? <laughs> awesome. Let's go ahead and clean up. Show me the show me the blessing in the adversity. Mm-hmm. That's my requirement for every single thing I produce. I will always talk about the blessing and the adversity. We'll talk about the adversity. Absolutely. Yeah. The real stuff, mm-hmm. like not sugarcoating anything. Yeah. But then we're going to find the blessing. We're going to find the light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. The, one the, that isn't a, the one that isn't a train. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly.
1: I think that's uh, one of the reasons why I, we connected so well back when we did that sketch comedy workshop that we were talking about at the beginning that we're probably going to have to re rerecord. Um, <laughs> but it, just because I, I think we're both very similar people in that we we like helping other people and we like building things with other people. We like yes. collaboration, right? Yes. You know, because I, I remember we had this, uh, we had a dinner before we went to another workshop right. at AdLib a couple of- uh, we for
0: Ty. A couple months, at, yeah, a couple months <laughs> after
1: the sketch comedy thing. And we got to talking and I just realized, you know, we're so we're we're tackling the same problem, which is people wanting to accomplish their dreams from sort of two different angles. You're giving them sort of like- so, a solid, uh, lifestyle approach and business approach, uh, to accomplishing their dreams. And I'm going in there and trying to show them practically how they can accomplish their de- dreams creatively, even if they don't have a lot of resources. Right. So, you know, I, I, think, I think we're, we're both speaking to the same audience just now, from so you, two different years.
0: And you, when you say resources, you mean monetary <laughs> or financial mm-hmm. resources like that, Yeah. where really, if you're creative, you've got an infinite supply of resources. Mm-hmm. You can't, if you truly let your creativity out, yeah. you can't be stopped. It's just we get shy. We, yeah. get, we, we tell ourselves, oh, or your parents say, oh, honey, there's no money in that. Oh, you want to be creative? You want to draw pictures? for? Oh, that's, that's nice, honey, but there's mm-hmm. no money in that. And it, it kills our spirit. They yeah. break our will they break our will when we're young. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they broke the bill when I was young. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, my history, you know, we never had a lot of money laying around for equipment or training or resources to, for me to kind of learn how to do all this stuff. So I, I I'm very much a self-starter and I, I, I think it's great that, you know, there, there's someone out there trying to Get people those kind of resources or teach them how to get them themselves so they can kind of push forward and accomplish their dreams. And that's what I'm hoping to do, too, is just, you know, be the person I didn't have when I was 13. You know, the the person yeah. to kind of advise me and get me to where I, I want to be, you know. I
0: figured if we're taught how to fail, we can forget how to fail. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's how do you help someone forget how to fail? <laughs> Remove the... the blocks and the boundaries yeah. and the cage that they built around themselves. How do you do that? There's a whole, there's a process to it. I think I figured it out, but there's definitely a process. So
1: do you, do you think failure is important? Do you think there's <laughs> a lot of value in failure?
0: So everyone defines failure a little differently. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the, in the context you're referring to it, I believe I will say failure is necessary. And this is actually in my course. So I put a picture of a person in the middle uh-huh. and then to the right of the person is success and to the left of the person is failure. This is what we're taught. We're taught if you want to succeed, avoid failure, right? Because don't get the F at school. Avoid failure. Get the A. The A is on the other side of the F. Here's the problem. Failure and success are not opposites. Success is actually on the other side of failure. So think of you as you're here and then there's failure, 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 and then success. Mm -hmm. Because what's interesting about success is that it feels like failure every step of the way until one day you're successful. So is failure necessary and important in the context we're talking about it? Yes. Now, are there stages of life and levels of life that you can live in? And I don't want to get too far out there for people where you can't fail if you even try, like where failure doesn't exist? Yes. Mm -hmm. There are levels like that. Mm -hmm. And it's fun as heck. Um, (laughs) But in the sense that we talk about, where we're talking about struggles and and failing and scraping knees and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. We need failure.
1: Yeah, I, I, I always say that, you know, as long as you learn something from failure and no one got hurt, it's the best possible outcome, really, because, uh, you know, any lesson you can take away from failing is going to help lead you to where you do win, like you were saying.
0: Absolutely. So I have something I call Slick, S-L-I-Q. You mm-hmm. can succeed, you can learn, the I is just a small i, or you can quit. Mm-hmm. Succeed, learn, or quit. If you think about it that way, you really cannot fail. Yeah, If you succeed, obviously that's not failure You succeed. If you learn something, did you really fail or did you learn? Mm -hmm. Learning's good, isn't it? Yeah. Or you can quit. Can you fail at something you're not doing? No. You can't. So, that's really all you can do. Mm-hmm. There is no such thing as failure, actually.
1: Well, I, I would say that this interview has not been a failure. Uh, I hope not. It, it, I it's, have fun. <laughs> it's, it's been wonderfully uh, successful for me and hopefully for our, our Facebook Live audience and Hi. our listeners. Uh, so, if people want to find out more about what you do, where they, where can they check that out? at?
0: All over social media as Broke is No Joke. Uh, you can email me directly, <laughs> josh at brokasnojoke.org, or just go to my website, no joke.org. It's the fastest way.
1: Very nice. All right. Well, I'll let you get out of here and watch the Super Bowl and stuff. All right.
0: Yeah, I'm just going to watch a little bit.
1: Thanks for listening to the show. If you have your own big idea you've made a reality, we want to hear about it. Let us know by emailing imadethis at doanything.media. We'd love to share your project or maybe even talk to you about it. You can follow the show at I Made This Show, all one word, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Again, that's at I Made This Show. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or on our website, imadethis.doanything.media. Again, that's imadethis.doanything.media. And if you do subscribe, make sure you leave a review so we can shout you out on the show. I'm Bill Meeks. Thanks for listening.